And I'd like to uh, ask you to come with me to Matthew chapter 13. And we're just going to look at one verse in Matthew chapter 13. I stuck my head in during uh, Sunday school. See what Brother Pillar was talking about. <laughs> and I very much enjoyed um, listening to him this morning for a few minutes. So Matthew chapter 13, uh, we're just looking at verse number 44. Chapter 13, verse number 44. Taylor's got her Bible out. Got the old man looking over her shoulder. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again and from joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field and that's it Thank you so much for standing with me to honor the reading of the words of our great God and King. Shall we pray? God, we thank you for your word, for its clarity, clarity for its depth, for its wisdom. We thank you for this and we ask now that by the power of your Holy Spirit by the wisdom of God you would apply to our hearts give us this truth and may your purposes be served that you're glorified that your church is strengthened that others are saved and we give the praise to you um, believing that you'll be our teacher we thank you in Jesus name Amen. People read this verse, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, in, in, in the field. And they go, yep, it sure is, which a man found and hid again, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And people go, I sure did. I gave up everything for Jesus. Is that what this verse is talking about? Is that what this verse is communicating to us? That if we want the kingdom of God, it'll cost us everything. Is that what this verse is saying? No, it's not. 
the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. May I add one that you can't afford? You don't have anything to spend. All that you have that's yours is your sin. And so, yes, it's a treasure. Yes, it's hidden in the field. It's, it's, it's often missed by people. They, they're blind to the fact that this treasure is there and they miss it. But a man found, and who was that? Who is it that could look at you and see the worth that nobody else could see? Who is it that can look at you and discern the potential that God built into you? It was Jesus Christ. He's the one who found this church. It says, and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so obviously it's not talking about the sinner because the sinner doesn't have joy over the kingdom of God before they're a part of it. He goes and sells all that he has. And so Jesus, as he was looking at the church... He looked at it with joy and made the decision, I believe this is worth everything. And that's what he did. He left heaven. He left all the wealth of heaven and came down here and gave his everything down here, including his life. He gave everything that he had for the church. In the mind of Christ, this is the most important thing. This is what is worth everything. This is the focus. This is the emphasis. This is the investment. The church. And so I don't have to tell you that he's a lover of the church, do I? I don't have to tell you that for him, the church, this is it. God looks at the stuff I have going on in my life and if he has to pick between what's most important, the church or my job, what do you think he's going to pick? Why is the church so important. The world would be a poor place without the church. Why is the church so important? I'd like to give you ten reasons. Number one, the church is the embassy of heaven. This is where the ambassadors hang out. This is where the representatives of the kingdom hang out. This is our headquarters. And so it's the, the embassy of heaven. And so, may I remind you that our country is not 
the United States of America. May I remind you that the name of our country, according to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 16, I'm a citizen of a country called heaven. If you're a born-again believer, that's your country. That's your first allegiance. You're a member of another kingdom. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. You can live in America without being an American. We have military people all over the globe, people living in Japan, and they understand that I'm living in Japan for the interest of America, and so it is with us. My first allegiance is not to America. My first allegiance is to heaven. Why is the church so important? Because we're the messengers to the lost. There's nobody else who has the message of the cross, the message of salvation. There's nobody else who is even authorized to have that message, to speak that message. Not even the angels of heaven, they, they, they understand that they would be off limits, that they would be out of order if they were sharing the gospel with a lost person. You'll never see that in the Bible. You'll never see that here where an angel is sharing the message. God says to you, son, daughter, this is a privilege that I afford only to you as my children. Reason number three that the church is so important is that we're the salt of the earth. You know what the uh, message behind that is? that we're the preservative, that we're the ones who slow down the decay of this world. Do you remember what happened in the book of Genesis? By the time we get to chapter 6, the world is a messed up place. It is going to hell fast. And God had to destroy the whole planet, except for eight people who made it through the flood, because he had to start over again. book of Genesis says that God regretted in his heart that he had made man. And so God has this preservative, uh, the church. And there's something about the church that just slows down the decay. I try to make sure That people don't see me as a judgmental person, a critical person. I try to make sure that people get the flavor of Christ. That he came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be saved. I try to come across in that spirit. But often I'll notice that a person will curse and then they'll say, oh, sorry, Arthur, even though there are other people in the room. I don't tell people that I'm a pastor, that I'm a preacher. 
But there's something about God's people that preserves, that slows down the decay. And I'm sure it happens with you. We're not just the salt of the earth, but we're the light of the world. So we use those words sometimes, and sometimes we don't really apply the significance that we're the light of the world. Um, I want you to know that the darkness of sinners is real. There's nothing that they can do to see through the darkness. That there's nothing that they can do to navigate themselves out of darkness. The only light they have, the only hope they have, is the church. Those of you who are members of the body of Christ, you're that light. Without us, without you, they'd be walking in absolute darkness. They could not find their way out. We're their guide. Reason number five is that we're the likeness of Christ. Did you know that? Jesus said that I'm going away, going to my Father, and I'm sending the Holy Spirit in my place, and the Holy Spirit is going to fill millions of people so that instead of me being in one spot, I can be all over the world in a physical sense. And how did he do that? He uh, put the Holy Spirit in me to make me look more like Jesus. And he did that for you. He put the Holy Spirit in you so that you could look like Jesus. The uh, thing that God expects that we're going to do is that we're going to help people to see what Jesus was like when he was here, and they're going to do that by looking at us. And so the Apostle Paul said to the Christians there at Rome, he said, God is being blasphemed because of some of you. In other words, God, God, because people are looking at you and they're thinking that they're getting a picture of God. God is getting a bad rap because of what he is seeing in his people. Because you're the likeness of God. You're his image in the absence of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 20. He said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He says, just the way, in the same way that God sent me, that's how you are being sent into the world, and that is to be the image of God. How do we know how God is? We look at Jesus, and we get a really good picture of God. If Jesus were judgmental and hateful towards sinners, we would have no choice but to believe, well, that's how God is. 
but he didn't misrepresent God. He was the authentic representation of his father, and God calls us to be authentic representations of his son. And so we're the likeness of Christ. Why is the church important? The church is important because we're the welfare system for the forgotten. And I know the government has stepped in with their welfare programs and all of their assistance campaigns and, and, and all of this stuff. And the only thing the government has done so far is just made things worse. The government is not good at welfare. They're good at taking your money that you worked for and passing it out in whatever fashion they think best. And so far, the programs of the government, they're absolute chaos. The government comes in with their programs and things get messed up and everything gets more expensive and so much corruption associated with all of the programs and so much waste and people getting worse than they were before. Families own welfare. They don't get better. It just goes to the next generation. The government doesn't help. But when the church gets involved in welfare and they counsel people through their debt and they tell people that God doesn't want them to be lazy, that God wants them to be self-sufficient and to work for what they get, that God wants them to keep their families together so that their kids don't become wards of the state, when the church does its job, it's helpful. People recover, they do better. And uh, that's what God tells us. He says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. But do you know what the church does now? Instead of the church trying to be the givers, the church is trying to be the takers. How can we get everybody to join our church and get a bigger church and make everything fancy and get a bigger salary? And the church has become a business for so many people. And instead of the church being the givers and the church being the welfare program, the church gets stained with the same um, unrighteous mammon that stains the world. For so many, the church has become a job. It has become a way to get wealth. The church has become this incredible marketplace where we're selling stuff on the internet and selling stuff on TV and radio and, and the church has become stained by the world instead of being welfare. The church is important for the poor of society.
Reason number seven that the church is so important is that the church is the guardian of divine truth. Um, how do you know what books are supposed to be in the Bible? How do you know what books are legitimate scripture? Who is it that guards that, that protects that? It's the church. Because there are a lot of books that claim to be a part of the Bible, that claim to be scripture. Who is it that helps us to keep that straight? So we know what's supposed to be in the Bible and what is not supposed to be in the Bible. The church is the guardian of divine truth. Could you imagine if God just sent the Bible to a lost world and said, figure it out? You just decide what is truth and what is not. What do you think would happen? Total confusion. Not only is the church the guardian of the truth in the sense of helping us to preserve and, and know what constitutes scripture, what constitutes the Bible, but we also need the church to help us to keep straight what the true teachings of the Bible are. We have this 1189 chapters of scripture, but what, is, what does the Bible teach? How do we make heads or tails of this? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul said that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If you ask lost people to interpret the Bible, what does it teach, what does it say, what does it mean, they will get it wrong. You ask um, lost people, why was Sodom destroyed? Do you know what is a very popular answer among the world? That Sodom was inhospitable to strangers. They say nothing about the homosexuality. They say nothing about the rape, the filth. They say nothing about the bestiality that was going on in Sodom. And so we need the church to be the guardian of divine truth. Why is the church so important? The church is so important because the church is the body of Christ. And so Christ is the head. He is the one who is guiding, who is making the decisions, who is giving the directives, who is issuing the orders. Christ is the head. It's his church. But we're the body. We're the ones who have the functionality. We're the ones with the hands and the feet who carry out the work, the will of God. Without the church, the work of God stops on the earth. We're the work of God. We're the ones who carry out the mission. And that's what Ephesians chapter 5 tells us, that we're the body. So yeah, we're important. How much would you get done 
If you were just a head and nothing else, how much would you get done? You're not going to talk because there's no lung to fill uh, your vocals with air. I would have picked it up, but I didn't want to put my hands on it and add to you know the germs. But um, you'd get nothing done if all that you were was a head. And so we are important. Without us, nothing gets done. Why is the church so important? It's because we're the bride. We are the bride. We're not just God's employees. We're not just God's sons and daughters. We are the most important relationship the Lord Jesus Christ has. We are the bride. His most important relationship. Nobody else more important. We're his bride. We have the distinction of being his closest relationship. Um, if the angels were not totally holy and God has confirmed them as holy he has eternally sealed them in as holy there's no possibility now of them changing and ever becoming unholy those holy angels If it were not for them being perfectly holy, they'd be so jealous of you. And of course the devil is jealous of you and hateful toward you. You're made in the image of God and you're his treasure, the apple of his eye, his bride. And the devil can't stand any of that because the devil is all about the devil. Um... If you want to get the attention of Christ, mess with his church and you got his attention. You look at those churches there in the book of Revelation, those seven churches of Asia Minor, Minor that are there in Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, it gives you some insight into how closely he watches his church, how intimate he is with his church, and how sensitive he is about what's happening with his church and in his church and what his church is doing. There was a woman, Jezebel, that was polluting his church with bad doctrine. And he said, I'm going to kill her and her children. 
is sensitive about his church. And the pastors who talk about my church, they're putting themselves in competition with Christ because he says, that's not your bride, that's my bride. I have never referred to this as my church. Here's reason number 10 that the church is so important. Reason number 10 that the church is so important is that the church is the only thing that God is building in this whole world. This is his this is his only building. This is his one and only project is his church. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, where he was talking about the church, I'll also say to you that you're Peter, Petros, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, of Hades, will not overpower it. There was only one thing that Christ ever talked about building. And there's one thing that we see him building in the New Testament. And that's his church. In the book of Acts, he said that day by day, he was adding to his church those who were being saved. He is building his church. And he says, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, that he is the foundation. He is the, he is, he is the author, he is the sustainer, he is the foundation, he's the master builder, and the only project he is willing to invest in is his church. So, when you hear somebody say, well, you don't have to be a member of a church. You don't have to go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. You are in total contradiction to everything that Jesus says about his church. Remember the book of Nehemiah where... The wall was needing to be rebuilt around Jerusalem. You remember that one? The book of Nehemiah? How God furnished through the favor of the king all the stuff that needed to be given. And he gave Nehemiah to be the governor to get the job done. And he moved upon people to give them the strength and the encouragement to do it. And, and then they got the wall rebuilt in record unbelievable time because God was in the midst of it. And there were some people who were saying, I know that this is Jerusalem, the city that God chose, but when it comes to being a part of this, I have better things to do. And they did not be a part of getting that wall rebuilt. 
Remember the book of Haggai in the Old Testament? The book of Haggai where God was saying to his people that I want you to get beyond just having a foundation. I want this temple rebuilt. I want you to give to God. And there were people who were taking the stuff that should have been dedicated to the temple of God and they were using it for their own houses. People who weren't tithing, who weren't giving, who weren't serving, who weren't working, who weren't a part of the only temple that God said, this is mine. And there were people who were saying, y'all go ahead if you want to, but uh, I'm busy. So, when it comes to what God is doing, and let me tell you what God is doing. He's building His church. The church is key to everything. Why? Because that's where the center of worship is, and God has prioritized worship. Why is the church the center of everything? It's because that's where believers, the family of God, meet, where they can be strengthened and encouraged and taught and matured. And so without the church, you can't do that nearly as well. Why is the church so important? Because those are the people who are going to be healthy enough to reach the sinners. They're going to be the ones to disciple them when they come to the faith. They're the ones who are going to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And so what is it that is so important to God, the church? The church. And so, what if, what if the world got so messed up, the atmosphere got so poisoned, the water got so toxic, the soil became so radioactive, that we could not live on this planet anymore. And we had to build a spaceship that would take us to another world. And uh, it was one of those massive projects where it was like, you know what, we need everybody to help with this project. Um, tell me some things that would be more important than getting that project done. Like, Leave the planet or die. What would be more important than getting that one project done? Can you, can you give me a list of things? Can you help me out? Can you give me some stuff that would be more important than getting that done? Huh? Take your Bible with you? You can't take your Bible with you if you don't get the project done. <laughs> Pray. <laughs> <laughs> and so 
And, and so how would praying interfere with you getting the project done? It wouldn't, right? And I should just say, you know what? I'm not going to work on that project. I'm just going to pray. And I know some pray-only saints. That's all that they will do is pray. They're not going to help. They're not going to give. They're not going to serve. They're the pray-only saints. And I don't believe they're saints. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that. But, what, but what's most, you know, what's more important than that one project that is the overarching project? Yeah. But how would that interfere with the project? It wouldn't. Yeah. But I'm saying, what is more important than the project that would interfere with the project? You know what I mean? How, 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 can, you, how can you have to shut down worship to do the project? Okay, hang on a second. Give me, give me some real stuff. Don't, don't, be, don't be just make it up stuff. Give me some real stuff. What would be more important than, than that project? That would be a part of the project. That would be a part of the project. What I'm asking is, what would be important enough to compromise the project for? Trying to fix the planet? Okay. Um, so, if the planet is unfixable and we're trying to fix it anyway, um, yeah, that would certainly interfere with the project. Um, and, um, I think that some churches actually do what you're talking about, Tristan. That is, uh, rather than saving people out of this world, that they are trying to make heaven down here on earth. There are definitely people who are trying to do that. And I uh, certainly believe from everything I see in scripture that they're wasting their time, that it's never going to happen. The Bible has already told us that the world is unfixable and that when Christ comes back, everything is going to be in chaos. And, uh, so here's what I'm getting at. We, uh, we all have important things that we've got to get done. You know, we, we're not going to spend every day at church we're not going to spend all of our money on the church. We're not going to spend all of our time here. God calls us to live in this world, and we pay real bills, and we raise families, and we have jobs and hobbies, and God allows us to have times of rest and times of just sheer enjoyment that is about nothing but recreation and recovery and that sort of thing. But does he ever want us to take our eye off the ball 
does he ever want us to make something more important than his one mission? Here's what I would hate to do. Here's what I would hate to do. I would hate to stand before God in judgment and God say to me, the thing that I prized the most, my one project on the planet, you didn't help me with it. You didn't, you didn't do anything to make it better. You didn't bring anything to the project. I get it. You showed up sometimes and, you know, you, you went through the Sunday service. I get it. But what did you do to add to my one all-important project that I gave my life for? Um, I hope that we'll all be able to say that. That I, I served, man, I worked. I, I was a real servant. I hope that we'll be able to say that. I hope that we'll be able to say, I gave and I served and, and, and I, whatever it is, I hope that we will all be able to stand before Christ someday and say, you know what, that one most important thing to you, yes, I was a major player. Because the aim of the devil is this. Make sure you don't. Make sure you ignore the one most important thing that Christ prioritized. To make sure that's never your priority. To make sure that it's always low priority for you. Making money. Having a good time. Chasing my hobbies. Watching sports. Living in sin. Chasing my boyfriend, my girlfriend. Whatever it is. There are lots of things that can take our priority. Um... Is there any doubt in anybody's mind that Christ Jesus wants 1 John to be a really good church? Any doubt? He wants this place to be a really good church. That doesn't mean it's the biggest church in town. Doesn't mean it's the richest church in the community. But what would that mean for us to be a good church? So, here's what God said to you in Luke chapter 8. That I want you to be wiser than the world. If the world can figure out marketing, I want you to figure it out better than they do. If the world can figure out customer service, I want you to figure it out better than they do. If the world can figure out the networking piece, the welfare piece about trying to serve people, if the world can figure out those things because they're trying to make their earth kingdom better or their own private little kingdom better, 
He says, I want you to do a better job than the world does because the stuff that they're figuring out isn't even worth figuring out. It's not going to last. This world is toast. We're talking about an eternal kingdom here. We're talking about an eternal mission that God has to save the lost and to grow his family. So here's the question. If we were the church that God wanted us to be, what would that look like? If we were the church God wanted us to be, what would that look like? That doesn't tell me anything. That's too vague. I don't know what that means. It looks like heaven. What are you saying specifically heaven looks like? So if this were the church that God wanted it to be, we would be walking on floors of gold. That's what he wants? There would be angels flying around the sanctuary. Is that what he's after? What is he after? So you're saying it's a church that will bring glory to God. Um, like how? Okay. And so I'm just trying to get down to the bite size. So you say like loving loving uh, your fellow man. To me, I can interpret that a thousand different ways. What do you mean by loving your fellow man? When it comes to enhancing people, what does that mean? You know what I mean? And what I'm saying is this. Tell me how I can know when I'm doing that. How do I know when I'm bringing glory to God? Or... And, and by the way, I can pick on him. This is a smart guy right here. He's, a, he's an accountant. <laughs> He's a numbers guy, and so, so you know. All right, go ahead. Okay. So what I want God to do for me, I can do that for other people. Okay. I'm with you. Tell me more. Who's next? Tell me more. What would this look like? So what would that look like? Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So are you suggesting a clothing pantry and a food pantry? Okay. So, 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 so. So why y'all got to get all technical and Bible on me and all religious on me? Why can't you just say, let's have a food pantry and a, and a, and a, and a clothing pantry? Can you all come down to my level? Okay, okay. So what would this look like if this was the church God wanted this to be? Uh, strong in faith. What does that look like? 
So how would we get people there? What would we have to do to make that happen where people are totally faith people? Right? But now we're talking about also growing their faith. What's that piece that we have to have in place? How do we make that happen? Okay. So what about church is going to do that? You're not breaking it down for me. They come here on a Sunday and so 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 let me let me let me, let me rephrase the question. So they come on a Sunday and we want them to grow. Okay, they come on a Wednesday. We want them to grow. What is it that Okay. So you're saying Bible study, somebody teaching them. Okay. And an exercise class, somebody helping them to, okay, with something that's physical and good and necessary. Okay. What else um, would this look like if this were the church that God wants it to be? Okay. So you're saying that we would be people who are actually evangelizing. That we'd be talking to our sons and our daughters, our grandkids, our great grandkids, our parents in some cases, our neighbors, our co workers, our friends. That we would actually be people who are telling people how to get to heaven. And that that would be characteristic of us and not just one or two people, not just three or four people, but it would be something that's common around here. What else would it look like if we were the church that God wanted us to be? We would have more members. What does it have to do with being God's church? Okay. Okay. And I agree with you. I wasn't challenging you. Uh, you know, I agree with you. Um, that if we are the church that God wants us to be, He's going to be sending people here anyway. That's what it says about the church in the book of Acts, that daily God was adding to their numbers. Because if it's a place where people are going to get helped if they go, God is not crazy. He says, I'm going to send them over there because they're going to get helped over there. 
Okay, so we're going to stop right there for today. Where are we stopping? Here's where we're stopping with us thinking about what would it look like if we are the church that God wants us to be. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is to think about it and pray about it all week long and to actually start writing out your list. Here is what we would be seeing in this church if this was the church God wanted it to be. It may be that it's better sermons, it may be better teaching, it may be better singing, it may be better greeting, it may be better youth programs, it may be better community services, it may be whatever. The sky is the limit. What do you think God is impressing upon you in terms of what this church would look like if we were the church God wanted us to be? So how many of you will commit on your own personal integrity and based on your own love for God, I commit that I will do that. I will work through what I think this church would look like if we were the church God wants us to be. And I'm not gonna come back with a bunch of generalities. It's gonna be really specific. How many of you commit? Can I see your hands? I commit my own personal integrity, my love for Christ. I'm going to do the assignment. And, and uh, God says the same. I'll be ready next Sunday to give my input. Okay. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. She's getting faster, isn't she? <laughs> Sorry. I love babies. Um, okay, any questions, any questions before...